The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Learn how to eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Some people make a daily gratitude list, and that is a good idea. But how about adding to that a veganizing list? A list that says, what did I do today to make the world a bit less dependent on animal foods or exploitation. And you know, little steps can add up and with enough of them, we can turn around climate change and turn from the possibility of extinction to the promise of enlightenment. And that promise Mm. is what the Main Street (laughs) Vegan Program is all about. Hello, I am your host, Victoria Moran. And if you'd like to know more about all that we do at Main Street Vegan, you can subscribe to my free newsletter and check out my books and blogs and film project and our training program for vegan coaches and educators, Main Street Vegan Academy, all at MainStreetVegan.net. Now today, I always get so excited about my guests. My guests are two dazzling women who will inspire you to the moon and back. They certainly do that for me. After the break, we'll be talking with artist, yoga practitioner, and memoirist, Sandy Nasanowitz. And right now, I am just tickled to introduce to you someone of whom I have been a fan for so long that I almost can see myself with an autograph book saying here please please sign this (laughs) and I know it hasn't been that long but oh my gosh Karen Calabrese has been in the vegan health natural and raw foods world for a very long time and when you meet this woman you will want to do what she does and have some of the life that she has. She is a successful entrepreneur, celebrity chef, and popular holistic health expert based in Chicago. For the past 45 years, so it does go back to autograph book times, Karen has been committed to taking care of her body and helping others to do the same. 
in addition to a raw diet. She believes in regular detoxification, and she's developed a program that she teaches to hundreds of people a year. She is the embodiment, and this is the gospel truth. You've got to see this woman. Go online, Karen Calabrese. I'll even spell it for you. She embodies her teachings as an ageless and elegantly energetic 71-year-old. Welcome, Karen. Hey, can I just take you around with me forever and have you Mm -hmm. if I walk in a room? (laughs) Yes, as long as I get to stand in your aura and uh, catch what you've got. Oh, Oh, Karen, it's so wonderful to talk with you. I know we had such a great time together last fall when I was out in Chicago with a pre-screening of A Prayer for Compassion, and we were hanging out at um, the home of Kay Stefkin's place. Uh, She has the um, vegan um, vegetarian museum there in Chicago. So, Karen, let us start with the first question that you told me was going to be most important. Is a vegan diet enough? Uh, Absolutely not. (laughs) I mean, it is certainly a wonderful step. It's certainly right for the planet and for you to a degree. But what I like to help people to understand is there are other steps to take. And, you know, I know a lot of unhealthy vegans. I know a lot of sick rough of vegetarians. I know a lot of people that are overweight in both realms. And yes, it's great to eat wonderful food. And that that does take you steps and steps ahead. But I I thoroughly believe the reason I enjoy the vitality that I do, and I'm actually 72 since we met uh, Vicki, Victoria, I'm 72. I'm no longer 71. But the what I enjoy is because even though I'm 100% vegan for 50 years, I'm a raw foodist for about oh, close to 40 years now. I don't drink, smoke, or do drugs, but I detox my body a minimum of five times a year. Even though I eat like that, I continue to detox my body because it's so obvious that we're living in a very toxic environment for human beings so even if you get the good food you still got to clean out you're driving behind buses you're getting your clothes dry clean taking in chemicals even if you're buying organic which i do that organic farm is right next to a farm that's not the wind doesn't go hey i'm stopping here you know so there are just so many ways for our bodies to get poisoned and start the downward spiral when i started teaching 40 years ago it was one in 10 people would have cancer then it was one in four and now it's one in two it's every other person you know and it isn't coming from the sky somewhere deciding to you know choose you you or you it's directly related to cause and effect what you are choosing on a consistent basis to put into your system there's no way to get around it. You can't say, well, I don't do much of this and I don't do much of that. Yeah, you can say it, but you know what? You're still going to pay the price, cause and effect. So what I teach consistently is, yes, it's wonderful, but even if you can't accept the label right now and get into being 100 vegan, 100% vegan or vegetarian, you can clean out your body a few times a year. And as you do that, you break down the walls of toxicity and that inherent um, chip that we have to thrive, not only to survive, moves forward and it just keeps you going and then you push yourself to be a vegan a vegetarian or to me the ultimate is raw food that's what god intended every animal on the planet to eat so yes i'm very very big on detoxing and i've been teaching these classes for over 40 years i've had thousands and thousands of people i was originally trained by dr ann wigmore who started the whole raw movement and i've just spent my life 
no matter what I'm doing, I take the time to cleanse and detox. And I don't know what illness is. At 72, I don't wear glasses. I should be in bifocals. I take a professional advanced ballet class with girls 18 and under. I'm not as good of them as them, but I'm allowed in the class, <laughs> you know, which I think is pretty awesome. And um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a simple premise if you embrace it and don't come with fear and I can't do this and a bunch of negative things, just have that love and gratitude you talked about that something's available for you. And even if people aren't choosing to do my detox because there are many roads to the top of the mountain and I certainly want, don't want anybody to feel that, you know, what I'm saying is you got to do mine or it's not going to work. But I do say investigate the person teaching very clearly. Are they manifesting what it is you're looking for, like health and, and wellness? You know, I joke and go, I wouldn't go to a stiff yogi, a toothless dentist, a <laughs> hairdresser. So I wouldn't go to a fat, overweight, uncomfortable uh, person to teach me about cleansing my body. And I would look to see that they are, you know, living what they're teaching. And uh, I will throw in, too, that maybe they're a little older than 12 years old. <laughs> we have so many young, wonderful people that have picked up the mantle, and it's exciting. But there is a lot of misinformation being given out there now. So research, research, research. And um, what I teach isn't what I've read in a book. It's what I live. So I'm very confident in the results that we get. So most of our listeners are already vegan or certainly on the way to that. But I think some mm -hmm. of these other things are, are very new concepts. And a lot of people are here for animal rights. They're here for environmentalism. And health seems like something extra or maybe even something selfish. I think some people are very philanthropic, very committed to these causes and feel that if they took the time to do something like a cleanse for themselves, that would be time away from what really matters what do you say to these people with great well, big what, hearts what are you going to do if you're too sick to help the animals you know the first line of defense is taking care of ourselves and then there's a domino effect you can take care of everything around you so you can have the best of motives and i certainly appreciate the animal rights i'm, I'm a part of that also and um but if you don't have strength and vitality how can you protect the animals so true. And I know that you yourself ask yourself at the end of every day, if you don't care, take care of this, this body, this vehicle, this live? gift, the most magnificent machine you'll ever be given, where are you going to live? That's right. So you can't do anything. And, you know, it's not only the animal rights. I get moms that come in and go, well, no, I'm too busy. I've got all these kids at home and I have to do this and I have to do that. But what are you doing for your kids if you're in bed sick? What are you doing for your family if you have cancer? What are you doing? You know, so the only thing we have 100% control over, in my opinion, is ourselves. So if you put all your time, energy, and money into that, it's miraculous what you can accomplish around you because you've, like, put a plug in, in this, this kind of um, sick world that we're living in, and that plug holds up and it pulls more people to it. And I also say if you want people to listen and follow you, you have to be – a loving, gratitude, pleasant, beautiful, healthy human being. Otherwise, nobody's going to listen to an angry, upset, sick person, you know, of <laughs> what you have to say. So I understand that you want to give, 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 but give to yourself first, and then you can give, give, give even more. Mm. So as you look around, you talked about this world being sick. What mm -hmm. are some of the, the things that are, are going on? Are you concerned more about um, non-organic produce? Are you concerned about GMOs? Are you concerned about chemtrails, uh, electromagnetic well, field radiation? What do we really need to watch out for in this modern world? 
all of the above, but you know the simplest that we need to pay attention to is the water we drink. Water is a catalyst for everything. It takes on all the energy. And uh, a sage that I follow very closely, Sadhguru, says that the water, literally, if you're drinking water from the tap, can actually kill you. It goes through so much horror through the pipes and the and, and everything going on. So what I do and teach my clients to do is you put your water on love and gratitude. It picks up those vibrations. And as you drink it, your body receives love and gratitude instead of the horror. So changing your water, and here's the deal. Your body is 70% water. Your brain is 70% water. The planet is 70% water. So when I get people who say to me, well, where are you going to get your protein? Your body's only 3% protein. It's the water to me that's the most important thing for us to do. So I I start my day and my clients off with 32 ounces of water to flush the body from the night before because as humans, we're on circadian rhythms of the universe. So when the sun goes down, if we didn't have electricity, we wouldn't be able to eat. So the body is designed to stop eating from sundown to sunup. You fast 365 days a year from sundown to sunup. And when the sun comes up, you break the fast. And it's not this huge meal or orange juice or coffee or even a green drink. Your body is 70% water, so it wants to flush even if you haven't fasted through the night before. So to me, I, I believe that I'm um, advocate for everything that you mentioned before, but I think getting your water in place is probably one of the most important things because that's what we're supposed to be doing all day, every day. Mm. Well, and when you talk about water, that reminds me of raw foods, that they're so yes. high in water. And I, I have read exactly. that, that water is naturally distilled and naturally mineralized with the right exactly. organic miracles. Exactly. So it's pretty perfect. So talk about raw foods, Karen. I think that most of our listeners are very familiar with the whole food plant-based diet, which can be a high raw diet, or it can be uh, more focusing on, on starches and um, beans and grains and that sort of thing. So why did you go to raw and what do you think makes it better? Well, I was fortunate enough in my journey to meet Dr. Ann Wigmore, who started the raw movement. I'm actually, I was a student of hers from her place in Boston. And I actually was able to meet her and work with her and learn from her. And she had had terminal cancer. She had healed. She had um, diabetes. They wanted to amputate a leg. She healed herself. And so, and she was from Lithuania and she had been brought up in war-torn Lithuania. One of my teachers and mentors now, Victoria Skolbenskis, was also from Lithuania and he did all the research on wheatgrass and raw foods with her. But the whole, the whole thing of, of raw foods is we need enzymes and oxygen to survive. That's what your cells need. They, they're not looking for chunks of protein and chunks of calcium. They're looking for enzymes and oxygen to reproduce. They reproduce every seven years. You get all new stuff. The body's on an ongoing process. But when it doesn't get the raw materials, it stops reproducing, and this is where aging and sickness and tiredness comes in. So we need enzymes for every metabolic purpose in our bodies. When the enzymes are gone, that's when you die. Uh, I have a, a brand of enzymes that I've developed um, that I sell, and we've taken older people and put them on the systemic enzymes, and automatically they start to come more alive. Enzymes are like the spark of life. It's like the electricity that turns the light on for you. So we need enzymes, and most people are doing maybe 10% raw in the day. You know, maybe they'll have orange juice in a salad, 
and the rest of the day it's all cooked. And every time your body has to eat cooked food, it uses up its store of enzymes to break that food down. God, universe, spirit, whatever your belief system comes, put everything in perfection for us. So when you eat it raw, you're getting everything you need. Your cells are going whoopee, and you're getting the oxygen. When man was created, the oxygen levels were at 38%, and after the Industrial Revolution, they were down to 22%. We're living in the teens in terms of oxygen in our environment. All cancer cells, herpes viruses, all viruses are anaerobic. They can't live in an oxygenated environment. So you're not getting it from your air, not your fault. You're not getting it from your food. You could make a difference there. So no wonder one in two people will have cancer. Cancer, we all get cancer cells. They're like little soldiers in our body. And if we give them the right material, yeast, uh, acid, um, mucus, and um, sugar, they form an army and they attack you. But otherwise, they're just kind of staying off to themselves doing, Victor has a good explanation of what they're doing. So do we create this environment? And this is what people are doing by what they directly choose and put into their mouths every day. And so much of your choices are coming from what's already in there, which is why detoxification is so important. You can say I'm giving up dairy or I'm giving up cooked food, but if you haven't cleaned out what's in there, it's going to keep calling, give me more, give me more. And you feel, well, I've got discipline to this time or motivation to this time. And then all of a sudden you find yourself grabbing and doing. I do believe people need to do it in a, a slow process, find bridges to keep taking you over because I, I know a lot of the young kids read a book and they jump right into it. And then you have the young kids that are on the internet now with a million followers saying, well, I'm not raw anymore and I'm not even vegan because I got so sick. Well, they didn't take bridges to get there or necessarily detox. So I think it's so important how you do this. And one of the reasons I think I'm great at what I do is because I've lived it for almost 50 years. So Amen. And you have two wonderful books we need everybody to know about. And it's really easy because they both have the same title, just a different subtitle. <laughs> so uh, Soak Your Nuts, uh, Cleansing cleanse with Karen, Secrets <laughs> for Inner Healing and Outer Beauty, and then the cookbook, the cookless book, Soak Your Nuts, Karen's Conscious well, the Comfort book, but The cookbook foods. is two books in one. One side is cooked vegan recipes and the other side is raw because I'm giving people that bridge. Cool. Wonderful. Yeah, Cook I, I, and I don't cookless. want people to feel that, you know, they have to go from A to Z overnight. I want people nice. to find a comfortable journey because being uncomfortable is just as bad as eating a steak regularly to me. So finding a comfortable journey for yourself to me is the key. But you well, must that's beautiful the journey and not feel that you've reached you know, okay, I'm a vegan now. That's it. Well, there's more to learn. I'm still being raw food with all these years. I'm now going on uh, getting rid of the sugar. I mean, and I'm talking about fruit and, you know, um, coconut sugar and the good stuff. But, you know, we take in way too much sugar. So my next uh, thing for myself has been I've been eliminating all sugars because at 72, the glycosins actually age you. And I do this as much for vanity as I do for health. And I'm seeing a difference. A great book is uh, William Duffy's Sugar Blues, and it'll tell you it's responsible for cancer, bio, um, um, schizophrenia, uh, half the diseases that we're battling. It's sugar-induced, and people are living on sugar. I mean, you just look at everything people are eating. There's sugar. So even our vegans are getting too much agave, honey, coconut sugar, whatever it is. So my next level for myself is eliminating most of that. You are a strong, brave woman because I find people who are able to be raw and stay raw, you just have a, a kind of commitment that I don't have. And part of it is I get really cold. How, how raw do you think a person has to be 
to well, achieve. Well, I think even if you hit, you know, 50-50 or 70-30 or whatever, you're going to be doing wonderful. But here's the deal. As you continue on your journey and you continue to detox, your body will adapt and you won't be cold. I mean, I live in Chicago. You know, I did a That's whole uh, YouTube, not a YouTube, maybe I did a YouTuber I, on my Instagram. I do a story about what do you do in the winter when you're on raw foods. And one thing is you can put a little cayenne pepper in your socks. It heats the whole body. Uh, if you start adding ginger to your meals. And the more you detox, the more your body adapts. I don't get cold. I go outside. I don't catch cold. I don't get sick. Uh, we are tropical beings, so this is not a perfect environment for a human. But your bodies will adapt. But you just so have to keep at it and, you, and maybe not give yourself a label. I'm going to be raw foodist. Just start, you know, incorporating, make sure maybe your whole day is raw and then you just have some cooked in the evening or your whole week is raw and you just have cooked on the weekend. Find a comfortable, um, you know, plan for yourself that's doable yeah. and practical. So, but so we are back to detox where we started. And I want to know, I know you told people they don't have to do it your way. But I'm talking mm -hmm. to you. So let's hear about your way. How do you suggest that <laughs> people you. detox? Well, uh, you know, I have a book and, and I have two going. I have a 10 day that just finished and I have a 28 day, which will be starting in September. And we stream it all over the world. We have people all over the world taking the classes. And what I do is I just basically gradually take you from where you were to a next place. And just because you've paid and you're committed week by week, it's a little easier. And when you're in an environment where other people are throwing their questions or somebody will say, well, you know, I just have a hard time being raw because I'm cold. Then you have 10 people in class with the people on the stream or 20 people in class go, yes, I went through that, but this is where I am now. So you get the hope of where you're going next. Yes, you can so, do it by yourself. I have the book, but people tend to kind of baby themselves more and make excuses when they do it alone. I'm not saying you couldn't and you shouldn't, and we certainly have a lot of people that do, but I tend to feel, and I work with people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I do one-on-one -on -one counseling, but I find the classes is what gets the best results with people. And if people check out my website, they'll see where people have lost 100 pounds in eight months. Where, well, we just worked with a woman right now. I, I will be doing an interview with her for my YouTube. Uh, she was diagnosed with stage three cervical cancer, and they wanted to do a hysterectomy and everything. Six months later, she doesn't have cancer. She's been detoxing and cleansing with me. We had a guy that came with um, colon cancer. They wanted to give him a colostomy, no more cancer. So it's a process, and what we have to do in this instant world that we've gotten so accustomed to, and you know, social media and our telephones haven't helped that, we expect instant. But uh, you have to find something, a program or a person that you can work with, and I make guarantees. I just started working with a woman yesterday, and she's in excruciating pain, and she's been through so much because even that's related to what you're eating. And I said to her, you know, here's the deal. It's going to take anywhere from seven months to a year to turn this around for you. Well, we don't want to hear that. We want that pill or that operation that's going to cut it out. And, but you didn't get it overnight. A person can take five to 12 years to build a cancer in their bodies or whatever's going on. And it can be emotional, too. So this instant life that we've become accustomed to really kind of screws with your brain to realize that nothing happens overnight. It takes nine months to form a baby. You know, I'll call it, they're doing some pretty Frankenstein stuff right now in the laboratory. But if we want to be on a universal plan with the vibrations of the universe, we know that things take time. Mm -hmm. 
And that's probably one of the hardest concepts. You know, okay, I'm going to be raw. So you try it for a week, you try it for a month, and pretty soon, you know, it's just too difficult. I'm cold, I'm tired, I don't have the same energy. But if you've done a detox and you kind of learn to listen to your body in a different way also. You don't have can to you listen just, to me or anybody. Hmm? Could you just explain for those who are not familiar what a detox is? I think most people think it's a fast or a juice fast. Are there other definitions? Yes. And that is a part of it. And I think there's a lot of dangerous stuff going on where people are eating their food one day and juice fasting the next day. I think that's very dangerous. Uh, my fast, my program is, it depends on where you come to me. If you come vegetarian the first week, you go vegan. If you go come vegan, you become raw vegan. So I take you through steps for one week. The second week, we started adding, and you know, this isn't for everybody, but I believe it is, we start adding enemas and implants or colonics. This is what I learned from Dr. Wigmore. So you start cleaning out the gut in a different way. Most people are carrying six to 35 pounds or more of fecal matter in their bodies. So then we start to release that because we've given up the other foods, so poisons are starting to be released in your system. I also have a line of products where I put you on um, fenugreek seeds. It starts to balance blood sugar levels. I put you on chlorella. I start getting those greens in, and I have a green milk smoothie that's a powder you start doing. I have all these greens that you start incorporating because the chlorophyll literally pulls the poisons out of your blood, and it makes it easier and easier and starts to make you the alkaline body you're supposed to be. About 6.8 to about 7.5, where most people are in the acidic range. So we just take it step by step. And then by the third week, if you've been where your success is, then we work toward a little mini fast or as long as you want. And then the last week, I give you tips on how to keep what you've gotten and where to, what to incorporate back and how to do it. So it's kind of like just a step by step, giving people a little roadmap. Instead mm. of you got to fast and you got to juice cleanse, so that's dangerous. These juice cleanses that people are doing on a consistent basis It's kind of like a yo-yo. Your body doesn't understand it's fasting; it just thinks it's starving. And when you're done, you may lose some water weight and a few other things, but you start craving even more of everything because you mm. haven't kept the body in balance. I, I want to ask you just in our last minute and a half, Karen. You mm -hmm. are drop dead gorgeous. I mean, uh, here I said I'd spell <laughs> her name. It's K A R Y N. And the last Thank name, Calabrese, C-A-L-A-B-R-E-S-E. Her website is KarenRaw.com, K-A-R-Y-N-Raw.com. She's Karen Raw on Instagram, so you can see her. Oh, it's Karen but Calabrese on Instagram. It's what? Karen Calabrese on Instagram. Oh, I'm sorry. You, it was. Uh, yeah, that's okay. My full okay. name on Instagram. And by the way, guys, I love Instagram. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, that keeps you young, too. But I have yeah. known. I mean, I knew Ann Wigmore. And she, uh -huh. at your age, did not look like you. So how much are we supposed to be judging by appearances? And how much are we just supposed to be doing the right thing and letting those appearances fall where they may? Well, here's the deal. Remember, she recovered from a very strong illness, diabetes. They were ready to amputate her leg and uh, cancer. And uh, she was also brought up and worn torn Lithuania. So the first years of her life were really, um, they did a lot of damage to her mentally and emotionally and physically and coming back from that. And then when she started this whole movement that nobody had ever heard of, it was extremely difficult. People, you know, it was very hard for her to stay on course. Well, yeah. you, you are a great ambassador for her and for all the pioneers. Karen Calabrese, bless your oh, heart. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for spending this time heart. with us. Stay with us, everybody. 
Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Wisdom Moment with Iyanla Van Zandt, taken from a Celebrate Your Life event in Phoenix, Arizona. The universe is not going to wait for you. And if you keep talking yourself out of what you're told to do because of your negative self-talk or the crazy you inherited, somebody else is going to pick up on the idea. How many times have you been told to do something and you start figuring out the how? But the philosopher Nietzsche told us if you've got a strong enough what, the how will be provided. The way you do the things that the universe is calling you to do is don't ask how. When you get the instruction, just start moving. Everything else will show up for you. To find a Celebrate Your Life event near you, visit CelebrateYourLife.com. Relax. Breathe. Treat yourself. Join Rev. Dr. Temple Hayes and Spirit at Sea Travel for a cruise March 29th through April 5th, 2020. Secure your space aboard Royal Caribbean's Liberty of the Seas with stops in the Western Caribbean ports of Roatan, Cozumel, and Costa Maya. Don't miss this retreat for mind, body, and spirit. Visit spiritatseatravel.com and mention Unity Online Radio when booking. Daily Word has developed beautiful card decks to support your spiritual journey. One deck is about healing, another is about finding peace in troubled times, and the family cards are two decks, one for parents and one that can be colored on for children, so families can talk about spiritual principles together. The card decks are available from Unity. Go to unity.org, then click on Shop or call 1-800-24-UNITY Monday through Friday. Explore the emerging possibilities for global transformation every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central for New Dimensions Radio. Hosted by Justine Toms, New Dimensions offers conversations with some of the world's most renowned wisdom leaders and spiritual teachers. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been inspiring listeners to open their minds to new ideas. Listen to the live stream here on unityonlineradio.org or download shows at newdimensions.org. Check our online schedule for replays and don't miss this powerful forum for innovative and inspiring voices. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Thank you so much for being part of today's Main Street Vegan program. We talk about anything and 
everything of interest to vegans and pre-vegans and anything that might be of interest to vegans and pre-vegans. So it is my pleasure to give you the the vast realms of this amazing way of life. You know, you can open a door, a door marked vegan or a door marked plant-based, and you open that door and behind it, there are so many adventures. So before we go on into our next segment, I do want to do a shout out to our sponsor, Compliment developed by vegan dietitian Dr. Pamela Ferguson and the no-meat athlete Matt Frazier. The original complement is a very convenient spray that gives you your vitamin D3 and your B12 and the fully formed omega-3 fatty acids. And they have a new product, Complement Plus, that also contains some of the other things your diet could be shy on, iodine, selenium, zinc, and vitamin K2 that bone-boosting vitamin whose only plant food source is natto, which is a fermented soy food that is, let's just say, an acquired taste. So um, check it all out, alpineorganics.co. And if you put Main Street Vegan in capital letters in the discount box, you'll save yourself some money on either product. So another amazing woman. My goodness, I am so rich in people in my life. Sandy Nasanowitz is a master certified vegan coach, writer, and educator. For three years, she wrote a column for Living and Being magazine, part of the USA Today network called Living and Being Vegan. And her brand new book is Oblivious, a vegan memoir. I met somebody this weekend at the Animal Rights Conference who said, I love your podcast, but oh my God, I buy a lot of books. (laughs) I'm sorry, but you've really got to buy another one. This book moved me, made me cry, made me laugh, and made me understand people who are empathetic in a way beyond my own empathy. And I think I'm empathetic, but... Now I really understand what an empath is because Sandy Nasanowitz is one and oblivious of vegan memoir lets us in on what's that like. Welcome, Sandy. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be talking to you. Well, I am happy to be talking to you, too, and I am so happy that your book, Oblivious, exists in the world. As you know, It literally blew me away. I was speechless as I read chapter after chapter about your vegan journey. And I hear about vegan journeys all the time. But for some reason, you were able to really get in there and explain what was going on with you psychologically in a way that I I had just not experienced before. So start from the beginning. Um, Why your story and why Oblivious? Well, uh, I used the quote in the beginning of the book, in the introduction. It's by a poet named Della Hicks Wilson, and, and she wrote, Let the truth exist somewhere other than inside your body. And, I, you know, a lot of people had asked me why I became vegan, and that question, <laughs> it can be overwhelming. You know, to answer that question is more complicated than, 
an elevator pitch. And, you know, I think all of our journeys begin long before we actually realize that they're happening. And I looked back and I thought, wow, you know, I was starting to realize what was going on way before it even hit me. And I really felt the need to write it down. I needed to get it out of me because it it just seemed like a long um, transformation that really had a beginning and a middle. I know it's not the end yet, but um, it really just made me want to get the story out because I think a lot of people can relate to the... Uh, before they made the connection to go vegan, and a lot of people can relate to the very second, the aha moment maybe that, you know, that made them decide to change their life that way. And so it was really important for me. I, you know, I've been a writer, not, you know, only professionally, but, you know, I just really like to write. So I decided a long time ago that I wanted to write this, but it wasn't really until about a year or so ago that I got very serious and I started to outline the transformation and start writing it. So one of the things that you talk about in Oblivious that I think relates to a lot of other people is the response of family. Can you go into that a little? Oh, well, it's... um, it's really, it can be really tough if the people you love the most all of a sudden cannot relate to you at all and they don't want to hear about it because they don't want to change. And I know that change is super hard, but I personally had a very hard time um, trying to, I mean, I thought when I went vegan and I learned all these things about health and the animals and the environment and everything we talk about, I thought, oh my God, they're going to really want to know about this. This is, this is important and I want to share it with them and I love them and (laughs) let's prevent disease and, you know, all those things that we all, you know, come to know. And when I presented it to them, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. And they thought I was extreme and I was fanatical and I had changed. And they just wanted the old Sandy back. They just didn't want me to disrupt anything within the family. And it's very, it can be very, very difficult because these are people that you love. And they're, you know, it seems like they're turning their backs on you when they're just really turning their backs on, you know, their own true nature. And, you know, they're just buying into tradition. They're buying into what has always been. And they're buying into, you know, our food addictions and things like that. So it was very, very difficult to realize that the people closest to me all of a sudden, I felt like they didn't know me, and I didn't know them anymore. So that was a that's that's been a very big struggle, and it unfortunately for me hasn't changed all that much. You know, I well, your your husband and your dog 
have come my along on the journey. And my dog. <laughs> Definitely. So, and and that's the most important, you know, I know that. But it's, you know, a lot of people don't struggle and a lot of people, maybe I feel like it's almost a limitation of me, like I wasn't enough to convince them. I didn't have the ability to explain it right or I couldn't get to them. I couldn't make them see what I see. And that's a very frustrating feeling. You know, you feel a little inadequate because you hear about stories of other people bringing this to their families and all of a sudden their entire family goes vegan. So I think it also brings up a little bit of, um, you know, self-confident issues, self-confidence and, you know, your own abilities to make your loved ones see what you see. Well, Sandy, you are going to be converting a lot of families with this book, Oblivious, a Vegan Memoir. It's so incredible. Could you tell us a bit about a certain calf who had a big influence on you? Oh, Oh my gosh. Well, her name is Avani, and uh, the sanctuary where she lives now named her Avani. It's Sanskrit for uh, earth. It means earth. And I live upstate in New York where there's a lot of dairy farms, and I've noticed them the entire, you know, 25 years since I've been up here, and I always thought they were so country, bucolic, you know, just so lovely until I started to realize what was actually, you know, happening on those farms. So I I drove by one of the farms, and I saw a calf in a veal crate right at the side of the road. And I started visiting her uh, every, almost every day. I mean, she was starving, and she had no water, and it was hot. It was summer, and I just, something happened. I fell in love with this calf. She's, they're just like puppies. They just nuzzle you, and they love you, and I just, didn't know what to do. <laughs> I, ha- I felt like I had to save this calf. I befriended the farmer, um, and he let me visit her. He let me feed her. I mean, so he, you know, I, he didn't want me there, but he let me, he let me do all those things. And I found a way to get her out of there and bring her to sanctuary. And, um, uh, I'm not going to cry, but you know she she <laughs> she was everything. She just I couldn't get her out of my mind, and I could not bear the thought of her life as a dairy cow. So I found a way to rescue her, and I got someone to help me transport her, and I found a sanctuary in Penn, in uh, Ohio called Lassa. Love all, serve all. Fabulous sanctuary. And they took her in. They loved her. They still love her. And, um, you know, it was one, it was a happy ending for this one calf. And, you know, the, it's in my book. It says the Talmud says that he who saves one life saves the world. And it just, you know, it was something I felt I had to do. 
it was a great experience, and when I think about it, it makes me feel good. And uh, that's what I hope for all of them. I just, ha- mm. I just have so much desire for all the animals to know that kind of love and freedom. Well, it's a beautiful story in the book, and so is your relationship with the farmer. You are so kind and understanding, and you talked about bringing him vegan. I can't remember what food it was, but you were regaling him with vegan food. I brought him vegan ice cream. Okay. Um, he was like this big guy. He had, you know, he's missing his teeth. He was like big, burly farmer, and he was so friendly. Like, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people like have some anger towards these professions, but this was all this man had ever known. He was fourth generation. He was always kind to me and friendly. He, mostly he laughed at me because, you know, I was wanting to turn his farm into a, an animal sanctuary, and I was explaining to him, you know, how he could do it. But anyway, I brought him a sleeve of Oreo cookies and a gallon of almond milk, and he was very appreciative, and I said, how did you like the almond milk? He, and he said, it was very light, very light, <laughs> because he, he's used to, like, this right from the cow, like, thick milk, and that's what he knows, and then, you know, almond milk was nice and smooth and light. And so that was his response. But he appreciated everything I brought to him. And he let me, you know, he let me visit the mother cows in the barn. And he let me take care of this little calf. And finally, he let me, you know, spare her a life of misery. Wow, that's so beautiful. So, Sandy, you also talk in the book about an accident that you had that led to uh, a lot of pain and and disability for a period, which had to be exceptionally difficult for a yoga teacher and someone who was so fit and so identified with with being healthy and, and strong. And yet you write that that suffering helped you understand the animals. Yeah, it did. You know, I looked up the word, um, the definition of alchemy, which is a seemingly magical process of transformation and creation. And so I really think there's an alchemy to suffering. And what I mean by that is I think that suffering affects us all differently. You know, some, some of us focus on recovery only, just getting out of the suffering and I can understand that. And some of us start to see suffering outside of their own. And then some begin to see the collective suffering, you know, and, and become like broken open. And I think that's what happened to me. I was, I was in such a deep state of physical and emotional pain I suffered an injury and an illness, and it it was a long, long two-year recovery. And I didn't know at first if I would recover. Like, I was thinking, if this is what it's all about, uh, I I really don't want this, because it was constant pain. And it really changed me. 
it really it really changed me. Suffering broke me open, and it made me see the world differently. And um, so I think suffering, I mean, you know, the Buddhists talk about, um, you know, the alchemy of suffering and what it does and what it's there to teach us and the layers we have to go through to understand what our suffering is all about. So, I, you know, I think that my particular situation and my suffering um, really broke me. It just broke me open to feel um, very deeply about the suffering. I could no longer um, ignore the suffering of others. So, it, you know, it really made me uh, a different person. I don't even know how to explain it. And then when I was starting to recover, there was such a gratitude, you know, such a gratitude for not feeling that pain. And then you feel a little responsible for wanting to go out and help, you know, help end the suffering of others, whether it's humans or animals. You just, you just really understand suffering to the point where you feel like it's your uh, mission to do something to help someone else out of their suffering. So, you know, I've always, I've always felt very deeply. I've always been called too sensitive and um, sappy. <laughs> so I know I've always had it in me. But I think when that experience took me over the edge into another, um, another realm of feeling, and then I really included the entire world, in that, you know, in that feeling. Mm. Wow, Sandy, a couple of things I just want to respond. One is, I don't know if you knew this when you were talking about alchemy and that beautiful definition that the book I'm working on now is called Food, Faith and Alchemy. <laughs> so that oh, was pretty cool. fantastic. I, I also, you mentioned being sensitive and we talked about your, your being an empath. But I would really appreciate your addressing that for other people who identify that way, too, because I, I know you and I always thought we were pretty much on the same page at the same, I guess, level, you'd say, in terms of our feeling for animals. Certainly, we've both devoted our lives to furthering veganism. And yet you've talked about things like not being able to eat at a table where other people are consuming the dead flesh of another being. And I, I just do it. And I, I don't know, I, you know, I, I think it's great that there are people on, you know, every realm of, of this thing so that we can all be helping in all different ways. But I want to know what it's like to be you. And I want somebody <laughs> to speak for those listeners who feel that nobody is speaking for them. Okay, well, there, you know, it's not the norm, but there are people who, you know, who, like myself, do not sit with people who are eating, you know, dead animals or, you know, exploited products from exploited animals. And, you know, if, if I'm being really honest, I wish I wouldn't, I, I, I wish I didn't feel this way. 
because it would have made my life so much easier. But there, there comes a point, like, I don't know, for me to sit there and laugh and talk and dismiss what I know became too difficult for me. And I really felt like the only way I could survive this, you know, would be to just say, okay, you know, there's like 8,000 hours in the year. If you would like to eat with me for that one hour, you know, let's, let, could you please not eat the bodies of animals? I mean, to me, in my mind, it seems so rational. Obviously, it, it's not to other people. And uh, 7,999 other hours are yours to, you know, do what, do what you want. I, can, I can't control anyone, but I don't have to sit and watch it. Because I, my mind goes to the places of what's happened for that, to, for that meal to be on their plate. And I guess maybe I haven't cultivated the strength or the fortitude to just let it slide. And if I'm being honest, I wish I could. But for me, I... You know, because I'm an empath, because I feel so deeply, this is one way that I can protect my heart and and also stand up for the animals at the same time. And I'm not saying it's for everyone, and everyone, you know, doesn't need to do it or not even should do it because there's a really great <clears throat> call for people to sit at the table and educate others, you know, I've never had that luck where anyone would listen to me, <laughs> especially in my family, you know, so I had to keep my mouth closed and sit at the table and not say anything and just deal with it. But I just couldn't be casual about it and really enjoy my time with anyone if I'm always thinking about what's happened to those animals and how easy it is to dismiss it. So it just kind of avalanched into a place where I said, you know, I have to cut this part out. I have to stop doing this for myself. And that's, you know, it's also part of being an empath. You have to know how to set boundaries or you'll just crumble and drown in a river of your own tears. You know, we feel so deeply all the time that there's got to be, you know, you have to stop looking at things on Facebook and stop listening to the news every single night. And you have to give yourself a break from taking on the energy of, uh, other people and animals and things in the world that are happening. So that was one way that I could, you know, honor my feelings about this and, ma you know, make a statement too because there's been a lot of friends and family, you know, that, that know that if they want to come over, they're going to eat a vegan meal. If we go out to dinner, everyone's going to order vegan. 
And, um, you know, it's, and my friends too, they, they're fine with it. So it's something I felt I had to do for my, for myself. And I admire it enormously. You had said early on something like you, you wish you could be different. I am so happy that you're not different. I can't believe how close to the end we're getting, but I do want to ask you about the yoga connection. A couple of chapters in your book are about yoga. It's very much a part of your life. Can you give us a minute on vegan yoga? Vegan yoga. Well, um, you know, I guess the way I see it now, as I didn't see it early on when I started practicing yoga and teaching yoga, you know, the, if you want to practice the tenets of yoga, if you want to practice the philosophy and, you know, the, the lifestyle of yoga, rather than just performing asanas, you know, uh, poses and exercise, then you have to read into you know, Patanjali's advice, you know, and, and ahimsa, I'm sure everyone's heard that ahimsa is non-harming any living being. And as vegans, we know that's impossible to do 100%, but we certainly have the opportunity to not <clears throat> harm animals, to eat them or wear them or test Beautiful. on them. Sandy, bless your heart. The book, again, is Oblivious, a vegan memoir. You can find Sandy Nasanowitz online at sundaravegan.com, S-U-N-D-A-R-A, Sundara Vegan. She's also a jewelry designer. She makes hip and holy bling. So please read this book. Please know this woman. She is a treasure, as is each and every one of you. Be blessed, be happy, be healthy, be vegan. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.